This episode is brought to you by Milano Cookies. Look, sometimes that long Zen yoga class is just not in the cards. So maybe a cookie is. Pepperidge Farm Milano believes you should make some time for yourself once in a while. I know I have a particular space in my sewing room that I like to just take a few minutes every day. I sit there. I think about things. It's kind of like meditation and munching at the same time. You can get that yummy, beautiful cookie flavor. It makes it luxurious and delightful, and I always feel recharged. Milano cookies are truly a treat worthy of your me time. They're delicate and crispy with luxuriously rich chocolate in the middle. You really want to keep these just for you. So remember to save something for yourself with Pepperidge Farm Milano. Hey, it's Laura Wasser, host of the All's Fair podcast on iHeartRadio. I'm a family law attorney, which is really a euphemism for a divorce attorney, and I've been practicing for over 20 years. I've learned some very interesting things along the way, and I can tell you that when dealing with matters of the heart, rules seldom apply. With advice and anecdotes from many of my friends some of whom may be celebrities, as well as the best legal, financial, and mental health professionals in the country. Our goal is to educate, enlighten, empower, and entertain you on the way to a better understanding of how relationships work. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find All's Fair with Laura Wasser on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Katie Lambert. And I'm Sarah Dowdy. And Katie and I were doing some research for another podcast recently, and we were talking about the Grand Tour, that great trek around Europe that people have been making for so long. And uh, I went on a condensed version of the Grand Tour myself, because, you know, we have cheap airlines now and and fast trains and not just boats and horses or whatever people used to take to get around Europe. Well, and you showed me your pictures. I did. And, of course, I have not been, so if you have any disposable income, send it my way. But I saw St. Paul's Cathedral. I started off in London. And, of you know, of course, you see a lot of old monuments and really great things. But one of the things that really impressed me about St. Paul's Cathedral in London was that it's got all this old historical significance, but it also has a really modern significance to it. So we'll go back to the beginning. Um, it was a very important place in general. The Roman temple to Diana may have been on this exact site. And there were a lot of iterations of St. Paul's, most of which burned at some point. We don't even need to go over all of them. There were so many. Most burned... Uh, one was sacked by Vikings, one was struck by lightning, Cromwellian cavalry troops uh, camped out in one and messed it up so bad, that was about it. And then the old old St. Paul's, as it's known, was burned by the Great London Fire. Right, in the late 1600s. And Christopher Wren had been hired to make some renovations, but then it burned down completely. So he had the wonderful opportunity of building from scratch. And he came up with three different designs, two of which the board rejected, and he was heartbroken. And the third one may not have even been exactly what he wanted. It definitely was his third choice, but he made some embellishments on what was actually built. And this design, of course, is 
a famous part of the Lenin skyline now, probably the the symbol of it. If you if you don't count the gherkin or the London Eye Ferris wheel, that, <laughs> which I don't. No, cause... let's not count. Let's not count those. Uh, but it's known for its enormous dome, and the dome itself is actually really cool. You can go up in it, and there's a, a whispering gallery where if I've heard you, of that. yeah, it's, it's. I was visiting by myself, so I didn't get to test this <laughs> out. But if you whisper near one side of the dome, somebody on the complete other side of it can hear you. We'll have to go back. A little acoustical Sarah. trick. I had heard of it because it was the wedding site of Charles and Diana, and which was really unusual because normally they do that sort of thing at Westminster Abbey. Yeah. It's usually, um, St. Paul's is usually the site of more state occasions instead of royalty occasions. And there are a lot of famous dead folks buried there, including uh, Lord Nelson. And the funeral for Churchill was there, I think. Mm-hmm. But despite all this, St. Paul's is best known as being a symbol of hope for London during the Blitz. And I hadn't known anything about this until you started telling me. So I think this stuff is pretty cool. We should give you some background on the Blitz first. Um, in July of 1940, Hitler turns his eye toward Great Britain because France has been conquered and this is the next place he'd like to take as his own. But he knows he can't just make an amphibious invasion on the great naval power Britain. So he decides to bombard the country by air first. The Luftwaffe, which is the German Air Force, has no systematic plan about doing this. But the British are prepared and they are organized. So it's not going to be as easy as Hitler had hoped. Yeah, they the British send the children of London and other cities out to the country, which I knew about from Narnia. Narnia yeah, little. That's why they end up in the country and find the wardrobe. Um, and people, the people of London take shelter in the tube stations. And some people actually even move in because they're tired of going back. back yeah, going back and forth. But... London is bombarded over, uh, starting in the summer of 1940, and the Blitz happens in the winter of 1940 to 41. Um, just constant assault by bombs and firebombs, and much of the city burns, and um, the intensity of it all all really picks up in September of 1940, when the British actually retaliate by launching an unexpected bombing raid on Berlin and Hitler is so angered by this that he shifts the shifts to attacking the cities instead of focusing more on military installations. Right. So now we're right on the city of London and the civilians and all of the buildings and lots of buildings were damaged during the blitz including the British Museum and Westminster Abbey and the House of Commons which is almost completely destroyed. Even Buckingham Palace is at one point hit. So the city of London is all the monuments are are taking heavy fire. But there's one that turns into a symbol of hope for all of the British people, and that is St. Paul's Cathedral. And it's because of a group called St. Paul's Watch. Yeah. Winston Churchill actually declares that at all costs, St. Paul's must be saved. And it's just this symbol of resistance. And St. Paul's Watch is a group of 200 volunteers. Uh, most of them are, are from the Royal Institute of British Architects, and they're familiar with the blueprints and the plans of St. Paul's. They know their way around it. And working with the city's firefighters, they guard the cathedral at night, uh, you know, obviously not sheltered from the bombs. We, we've mentioned that people 
get into the tube stations or leave town. So it's a dangerous place to be. And just sit up all night watching the cathedral and running in when a firebomb hits to put it out with water or sandbags. It was incredibly dangerous. And it's just so cool to get that mental image of these people staying up all night to guard this building that had become a symbol for a whole group of people against Hitler. One of them later wrote, eight solid hours fighting to save St. Paul's. We put out every sort of fire, but couldn't cope with the terrific HE, high explosive crashes. It rocked so much once we were sure it was over. There were a few direct hits. Obviously, you could stop a little fire, but you can't stop a a bomb from destroying part of the building. The high altar was destroyed by a bomb in October 1940, and another bomb fell in the North Isle in April 1941 and damaged the crypt. But the big one was in September 1940, a 2,200-pound bomb that didn't detonate but landed right on the front steps. And this is actually dug up and transported. Imagine what a terrifying job that would be. It's dug up and transported to Hackney Marshes, where when it is detonated, it leaves a 100-foot crater. So that would have been the end and of St. Paul's. Apparently, these unexploded bombs were also a part of London. I saw this picture of a policeman escorting a mother and two little girls past a sign that says, Danger, unexploded bombs. And everyone looks so cheery and happy, except one <laughs> little girl <laughs> who must have like just learned how to read or something. And she's kind of looking at the sign <laughs> like, oh my gosh. But why the cathedral is so indelibly recorded in our minds is because of a single photograph. Um, on December 29th, 1940, which is actually the same night that the American news correspondent, Edward R. Murrow, um, broadcast that St. Paul's was burning and destroyed it wasn't, uh, was the same night that photographer Herbert Mason took the picture of the cathedral, the the famous dome ringed in smoke of burning London. And it was pretty much all you can see in the picture. Yeah. Everything just looks There's like death and destruction. charred buildings in the foreground, but it's just all smoke. And then this absolutely beautiful dome rising above it. And it was published two days later in the Daily Mail with the headline, War's Greatest Picture, St. Paul Stands Unharmed in the Midst of the Burning City. And it made it through the rest of the Blitz, thanks to the St. Paul's Watch and the firefighters. And um, I thought this was kind of a nice bookend to the whole thing. But by 1944, the cathedral bells were rung to celebrate the liberation of Paris. So it was worthwhile. So thanks to those brave volunteers and architects, St. Paul's is still a huge tourist spot, as Sarah found out, and definitely a big part of the London skyline. And if you'd like to learn more about the American reaction to the Blitz, you can check out the article How the Office of Civilian Defense Works at our homepage on www.howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the Stuff You Missed in History Class blog on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. I just realized that the first letter of every line of this review spells help me. (laughs) 
It seems like everyone's a critic these days, blessing the world with our slightest opinions, all on our own mini-platforms. I'm Scott Janovitz. And I'm Greg Conley. We're the hosts of Citizen Critic, a new podcast where we critique the critics and review the reviews of your favorite movies, music, television, toasters, toiletries, and paint colors. Listen to Citizen Critic on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Laura Wasser, host of the All's Fair podcast on iHeartRadio. I'm a family law attorney, which is really a euphemism for a divorce attorney, and I've been practicing for over 20 years. I've learned some very interesting things along the way, and I can tell you that when dealing with matters of the heart, rules seldom apply. With advice and anecdotes from many of my friends, some of whom may be celebrities, as well as the best legal, financial, and mental health professionals in the country, our goal is to educate, enlighten, empower, and entertain you on the way to a better understanding of how relationships work. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find All's Fair with Laura Wasser on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.